our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope you are all well. As you all may have noticed, I have started doing live readings. From here on out, readings will be done every other Friday of the month. So, that means the next live reading will be done on May 12th and then May 26th. So, go ahead and plan for that if you enjoy live readings. Either it will be me by myself or I will have a guest with me. Please don't forget, down below, if you enjoy what you are hearing, you can buy me a coffee. The link is found in the description box. Also, if you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes, it is only $1.99 a month. That information can be found in the description as well. Now, with all of that out of the way, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, happier, and stronger person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled Unsettling True Creepy Encounters. Disclaimer, after this introduction, there will be an ad. I'll read the first story. There'll be an ad. After that, there will be no more ads played throughout the video. Trigger warning, some of these stories might be a little uncomfortable for some of you. Listening discretion is advised. This story is old. I was a kid when it happened, so I don't remember a lot of it, but mostly the traumatizing parts. My family and I all lived in the same apartment complex, and we got together quite often. My great aunt and her son lived alone in their own apartment, and she always complained that she felt alone, so we visited her often. Her son was 30 or so. I don't remember his exact age. I haven't seen him in years. He's technically my cousin, but I've always referred to him as an uncle to make it easier. He was very clingy with me and my other young cousin. My parents never left me alone with him, and my dad never trusted him. I remember he always asked for hugs and gave sloppy kisses only to me and my cousin. I was around 10 and my cousin was 14 the last time we saw him, and he constantly asked us to sit on his lap. His mother would get angry whenever we refused to hug, kiss, or sit on his lap, saying he was just very affectionate. I was talking with my therapist about another thing one day, and she said that sometimes the brain blocks traumatic memories. I suddenly remembered this uncle because I know we always saw him, but I barely remember interacting with him beyond these things. My mom says he probably had a bad childhood and wanted to be closer to us, but my dad says he was a creep 
wanting to get advantage of the kids and the family. Am I overreacting, or was he actually that creepy? I have lived in New York City all of my life, but this ranks as one of my oddest encounters. I probably owe my life to someone I met only briefly. It was about 30 years ago, and I was coming out of my dentist, who was located on a desolate side street between Penn Station and 7th Avenue, not far from Macy's Herald Square. At about 6.30 p.m., My dental work finished and the sun was just starting to set. I walked out of the appointment only to run into a man who repeatedly, intentionally body slammed me while pretending it was an accident. I had formed an intention to say nothing, but to slowly edge my way closer and closer to the open door of a chock full of nuts and make a quick dash for the entrance. Again and again, the man said, Excuse me, miss, and slammed into me from the street as I tried to pick my way across the sidewalk to the open door. He must have stepped back and hit me six or eight times when, out of nowhere, a large man stepped forward and said, Miss, where are you going? Terrified that they were a tag team, I said, I'm trying to make my way to the 6th Avenue subway entrance at Macy's. This mysterious guy grabbed me and propelled me so quickly the couple of blocks to the subway that my feet didn't touch the ground, even though I was a young woman of large size and a former distance runner who could move with great speed. The mystery man took me right to the train, then disappeared. My dad said he was probably a plainclothes cop. I never knew who he was or what the other guy was trying to bull, but I will always be grateful for having been saved from something quite potentially bad. I work inside a hospital part of a prison. For anyone who's ever been, the layout is like this. First is the administrative building where anyone has to go through. Then there's the main gates into the prison. Once let through several gates, I had to walk inside the prison to where the hospital is located and into even more gates to be let inside. It was a daily occurrence for my shift. While leaving one day, I was kept later than others leaving my shift because people always showed up late and if there's not enough staff, we could be mandated and I was number one on the list that day. I was made to wait to be sure they actually showed up. So by the time the last person came on shift, everyone else was long gone. There's two parts of the civilian walkway that we intermingled with the prisoners. The beginning and the end. I made it most of the way out when I noticed the door where some prisoners' work was open, and inside were about seven to eight guys. Now there's only supposed to be a certain number inside it at one time, so this right away raised red flags to me. 
Also, one was looking out a window, like a lookout, and one was standing at the door, waving at me to go over there. I don't know why they thought I would fall for that, but still, I was sketched out. Seeing that, I wasn't coming. One of them started coming from behind the door, like he was going to grab me, and then I heard a gate. A CO was coming, and they slammed the door shut immediately. I was so damn relieved. Many staff have been assaulted in my time working there, and when this happened, it was becoming a more and more common occurrence. This wasn't the only close call I've had there, but it was the only one where I didn't have my ring of keys to protect me, or a CO within earshot. So it was the scariest close call I've ever had. Some strange middle-aged man had been coming and stalking my house in the middle of the night recently. I've gotten security cameras to try and catch him in the act, and successfully done so. I've caught him multiple times on footage, peeking through my front windows and trespassing on my backyard, and peeking through the windows while talking to someone on the phone in a strange language. Tonight, I had the opportunity to successfully catch him while he was once again on the phone speaking to someone while looking into my window. At first, he parked on the side of my house and drove off once he saw me going outside to confront him. He then came back 30 minutes later and parked a little further down from the front of my house. This time, he had a mask on and was going to other people's houses and doing the same thing. We stood by his car and waited for him to come back in hopes to confront him. We took his license plate off his car and decided to call police to report the incident. As we were on the phone with the police and we turned our backs to head home, he saw his moment of opportunity to escape and jumped inside his car and drove off. I was thinking of jumping inside with him as well and turning the night into an action movie, but decided the risk wouldn't be worth it. Anyways, when the police officer came to our house and we explained the incident, he said that we were actually wrong to take the license plate off his car and that he was doing nothing illegal by peeking through the windows and stalking us multiple times. He advised us to call 911 if anything else happened, but so far, the man apparently has been doing nothing wrong illegally. The officer didn't even make an attempt to reassure us of our safety or anything, and basically said, wait until an incident happens and then phone the police. This was a couple years ago. I think I was 19 at the time. I was a cashier in a small grocery store. It was late, about 30 minutes until we closed, and there were only three other employees besides me. I was alone on the front end register, and this younger guy comes in and buys some produce. This dude is the only customer in the entire store, 
and I had no clue where my co-workers were. He ends up hanging around my register and eats some of his produce while he makes small talk with me. At first, I thought he was kind of funny, just a weird guy. But then, he asked me if I had social media, and I said no, because I'm not going to give this dude my contact info. He then asked me, why are you lying? And giggling a little bit, and I told him I wasn't. And then immediately, his face grew stern and he said, Why are you effing lying? And then he said my name, which I won't give out here. It made me so uncomfortable. He was so aggressive about it. I just said I wasn't, and then he changed the topic. He started talking about being in a criminal organization in some South American country. I can't recall which. But he talked about smuggling drugs and people. And then he went into detail about how they would chop people's hands and fingers off. By this point, he was back to being giggly. I had an awful gut feeling and I felt so scared. He kept getting closer and closer to me as he talked. And eventually, he was on my side of the register and I had moved away from where I was originally standing. He kept talking to me for about 30 minutes, and the entire time, I was completely alone. No other customers came in, and my co-workers were not on the floor. I tried making an excuse to call my manager to come down to me, but he literally told me he was busy and hung up on me. This guy was so creepy, and he kept trying to get personal information from me and wouldn't leave me alone. I was so afraid to say anything that would make him notice I was uncomfortable, because I don't know what his intentions were or how he would react, because he was clearly unstable. Finally, after what felt like forever, my manager came down to close the store and I ran so fast upstairs and just started sobbing because I was that scared. I never saw him again, thank God, but I had a bad gut feeling that his intentions were not good. The way he was trying to corner me, pry for information, and weirdly gloat about violent crime he partakes in. I don't know about you, but I hope I never see this guy again. This was about 20 years ago, and I still think about this creeper from time to time. I was working the overnight shift at a local gas station, a 7-Eleven, and part of the overnight shift was building the Sunday newspapers. The paper company would deliver stacks of the different sections, and we'd have to assemble the papers and put them out for sale. We had a little nook set up in the back corner of the store where we would do this. You could clearly see the door from the spot, and we didn't get a lot of traffic in the middle of the night. We had two panic buttons in the store, one mounted under the counter and a portable one that I always carried in my apron pocket. One evening, I'm back in the nook, and a guy walks in and straight back to me. He is very tall thin and pale 
He is dressed in all black, including a full-length black trench coat. He asks me if I've seen anything strange tonight. I'm thinking that he's the strangest thing that I've seen in a while. I replied no and asked him if there was anything that I could help him with. He then went on a rant about how he is on a mission from God to wipe out all the demons that are walking amongst men. He can see people's true forms and that's why he carries this for protection. As I am simultaneously shitting myself and pressing my panic button, this wacko pulls a cross out of his pocket. It had to be at least seven inches long. He then hollers that God is calling and runs out the door. A few seconds later, the cops show up and I fill them in. They drove up and down the stretch of road that we were on and didn't find anyone on foot. They came back and told me to keep my button close, and they check on me periodically. That was one of the longest nights of my life, and I quit shortly after. You see a lot of crazy working the night shift, but that guy has a whole lot of crazy that I didn't ever want to meet again. There's this guy, Kevin. I went to school with this kid since middle school. He has been in love with my best friend for years. From the moment I met him, there was something odd about this guy. He genuinely reminded me of a psychopath. I remember one time we were all hanging out, and when no one was watching, his face became flat and blank. He had no real authentic facial expression. You could see him mimicking others' facial expressions. I'm an autistic female, so I saw through the facial masking. I used to mask my traits of my autistic characteristics because growing up, my expression wasn't deemed acceptable to society. So I noticed him switching his mask on and off like he was the puppeteer and everyone was his puppets. The way he looked there was a blank expression where he rarely blinked or showed any real emotion. He creeped me out. I always saw him as a psychopath capable of anything. I don't know if he's ever done anything violent when it comes to other people. But in my life, I've come across people who I swear were serial killers. It's the way they stare at you and how they portray themselves in society. I have met men who look normal, then suddenly there's this switch in their eyes where they have an evil stare that just gives you the chills. Recently, my friend and her husband have been hanging out with this guy, Kevin. I feel like it's a dangerous situation. He has a jealous ex-girlfriend named Morgan. She's a very jealous girl, might I add. He has always been in love with my friend, and I'm wondering would he hurt her or her family. I don't have any real proof he's done anything wrong, and I feel like if I tell the police and my friend that I think this guy is dangerous, they will just laugh at me and think I'm crazy because I don't have any evidence. 
All I know is how, when I met him, I knew I met a psychopath. I feel bad for thinking bad of someone, but he just gives me really, really bad vibes. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Okay, so this situation really scared me. I was about 20, and he was 18. I used to drive a 97 Chrysler. I mention this because it was a cute convertible. It was black with pink and purple flames and totally looked like a girl's car. My brother used to have long black hair. I have long blonde hair. We were headed to our friend's place at around 8 p.m., and pulled into a Circle K to get gas. We live in a big city, so there was nothing sketchy about it. We'd done this a hundred times. Someone approached us from behind as I put in gas. This dude saw two long-haired people in a car that looked like it belonged to a girl. He approached me, and my brother opened the passenger door. The dude was surprised when a six-foot man got out of the car. He said, My girlfriend's in the hospital. It's a mile down the road. I just need a ride. We grew up in the area, and I told my brother under my breath, There's no hospital where he's staying. We told him we couldn't take him, and he pulled a steak knife out of his waistband. He kept telling us, I just need a ride and I remember my brother stepping in front of me and telling the guy put the effing knife down it was probably 30 seconds of conversation but it felt like forever the guy started talking to himself waving the knife and then literally walking away we got back in the car got to our friend's house it was two minutes from the gas station of course and then called our parents, who came to our friend's place and told us to call the cops. Here's the kicker. We called the cops and explained what happened. They found the guy in the neighboring parking lot sleeping, and they told us they couldn't do anything because he was currently not being violent, and they didn't have any evidence other than our word. My mother almost lost her shit talking to the cop. It's whatever in the long run. We were safe, and now that's all that matters. This story happened recently, and for some context, me and my friends are teens that like to explore and do stupid stuff like normal teenagers do. We found this tunnel that was a drain under a busy road. We had to crouch and sit on our skateboards to explore it since the height of the tunnel was short. As we were going deeper into the tunnel, it gets pitch black, and the flashlights from our phones can only reach about five feet in front of us. 
so we were blind to what we could come across until we were very close to it. In the tunnel, I remember the wall was painted in all red and had sheets of metal with white handprints connected to clothespins. We decided to keep going until we reached what we thought was a dead end. Well, it wasn't. On the left, there was a more square tunnel compared to the rectangle shape we were in. In the distance of the connected tunnel, there was a bright light coming from the outside shining from above onto a red shopping cart with belongings in it. We slowly inched towards the light where the shopping cart was. The light turned out to be a big hole in the ground that we could crawl out of if we needed an escape. As we were about to pass the shopping cart, my friend who was in the lead was too afraid to go forward anymore. It was pitch black five feet from where we were. I decided to take the lead and keep going. I stepped past the shopping cart and stopped. I don't know what it was, but I was afraid. I had a gut feeling something was back there. I slowly moved back. I stopped. I swear I could have seen something move from the deep dark of the tunnel. Before I could put everything together, a loud echo of someone pounding an object on the walls of the tunnel struck me backwards, causing me and my friend to freak out and crawl out of the escape hole. Once we got out, a homeless man ran to us asking us what we were doing in there. We told him we were just exploring. He explained to us that there is a man that lives underground in that tunnel and he would have killed us if we had went further. The man was apparently crazy and threw a rock at the poor guy's head before. Luckily, nobody was hurt, but even though that was scary and dangerous, it was fun and I'm glad I experienced it. Needless to say, I haven't been back down that tunnel since that day. This moment for me was very unnerving. This is why I always locked doors. This happened. I don't remember how old I was, but but I'm pretty sure it was when I was in middle school, so maybe at about 12 or 13 years old. I don't know. But anyways, this all happened when my family and I were going to church and they brought my cousin and aunt because they didn't have a ride and our car was big enough. We stayed until night because our church finished at 5 or 6, and we had to get dinner from the church before we went home at 9. The whole night while my parents were getting dinner, I was waiting in the car with my aunt and cousin. I was sitting in the shotgun seat, because I wanted to, and was facing forward to chat with my cousin, and then suddenly, a knocking sound came from the window. To be honest... I flinched and immediately faced the window, where I saw a middle-aged man who had his red eyes staring straight at me. Those red eyes felt like a poke in my nerves. He was saying weird things like, Go to SantaClaus.com And 
I forgot the rest. I was confused and asked what in the hell was he talking about? So the idiot that I am, I tried to open the door because I couldn't hear him clearly. But he was too heavy, so I gave up on opening the door. And I'm glad I didn't because my aunt immediately knew there was something wrong with him and told me, Close it now. And so I did. He pulls the door hinges and finds out I locked the door and yells, Open the door. Please let me in. I could have sworn I felt my heart in my throat. He just stood right where I was sitting with his red eyes piercing right at me, pulling the door hinges. Good thing I locked the whole car because he went around trying to get in. Eventually, he gave up and left us alone. After my parents got the food, my aunt told them about everything that happened when we were waiting for them. Turns out, it was my uncle who was under the influence of alcohol. I told stories about it to one of my cousins and immediately she cried because she knew who he was and told me it was her father. I think she told me about how he was mad at his family and went into drinking and harassing people. I'm glad my aunt had the guts to know what was going on and what was wrong because who knows what worse things could have happened to us or me. This happened a few years ago when I was spending the day with my mom. We, I'm a 32-year-old female and she was a 62-year-old woman, decided we wanted to spend our day off, a weekday, driving the 45 minutes into the mountains to a small casino town. It's historic and the casinos are small and still old-fashioned. About seven minutes away is another casino town that's modern with very busy and popular casinos. They're right off the major highway. We wanted to avoid crowds and soak in the history. The main street was busy. We felt like we had to place to ourselves. Walking up to the first casino, we noticed a car slowly approaching from behind us. It pulls over and parks on the side of the street. I notice two men in the car. We walk around the first casino, slightly unimpressed and didn't gamble. On to the next. We exit the casino and a man is standing outside the car that parked with a sad-looking woman next to him. She looked tired or sick. Maybe, but I wouldn't say distressed. He seemed to have been watching the casino. When we came out, he got on the phone. I should stop here and say I'm always on high alert and so is my mom. We're only too aware of the dangers that can come with being a woman. We shook it off as paranoia on our part. In the next casino, we decided we had to go to the bathroom. Again, the casino was empty. We came out of the bathroom and the same man was standing in the entrance of the casino looking around, searching with purpose. 
My mom pulled me out of sight before he saw us. It was truly unsettling. We decided to get the F out of there, head to the car, and hit a busy casino. We exited, and now just two women were standing by the car. They saw us, and one of them started hurrying toward a casino in a different direction. By this time, we're hauling ass. When we make it to the car, I feel a sense of relief. Driving down Main Street towards the safety of crowds, we pass the car. They were all inside now. Two men glared at me as we went by. We both felt the whole thing was strange and sinister. I've never experienced anything like that. Did we avoid something terrible or do we watch too much news? I guess I'll never know. So, I'm going to start off by saying I'm non-binary. Please, no judgment. And assigned female at birth. I also really love trades work, as it makes me feel super manly. So, stuff like working with heavy machinery, wood, or other forms of trades excite me. Today, I started a masonry class that goes for four weeks, twice a week. Masonry, if you don't know, is really just brick or block laying, working with mortar and learning the different branches of work for this trade. I was super excited. Some of my friends were there and it was just great. We were working in this shop on small, incomplete walls, smearing mortar so we could prepare for block laying. Q Creepy Teacher. I'm going to call him CT. We have two teachers to make sure everyone could get the technique down and learn how to properly do the work. Anne, a fake name, and CT. At first, I thought CT was sort of funny and he's well up in his years. To get my attention, he touched my arm the first time and I was very uncomfortable but figured it would be a one-time thing. For context, being touched unexpectedly and by people I don't know seriously freaks me out to the point of panic attacks. I have no idea why. However, it was not the last time, as he soon came back. This time, from behind me. He placed his hand on my shoulder, and I could feel how close he was. He said something about my technique in my ear and to get me to step aside. He put his hand on my waist. I have never had this experience with a teacher before, let alone one I've never met. Shortly after, it was lunch. I found the woman who connected me to this class and explained that I needed her to tell him how deeply inappropriate and how uncomfortable he made me. Long story short, it was passed to the boss's boss. I don't know exactly what was said, but I know he was given a formal warning about touching students, especially without consent, and he wasn't allowed within a meter of me or my work. I should also mention, most people in that class are cis men, 
and he never touched them or got that close. Needless to say, this is one of the creepiest teachers I've ever met. My dad and I were never close. I wasn't close to anyone from his side of the family, but his two younger brothers set off every internal alarm I had. Uncle One turned out to be molesting his stepdaughter, who he raised since she was an infant. Uncle Two is who this post is about. I'll just call him D. I have several siblings, and we have many cousins living in our small town. They all think D is the best. Lots of fun to be around. I never warmed up to him. I didn't trust him, and he had a creepy vibe. I kept my distance, and my mom never made me hug or have physical contact with anyone I was leery of. D lived next door to my grandma and seemed to always be down with some kind of illness. I was staying with Grandma for a day and she was making food for Dee because he was sick. She fixes him a plate and tells me to take it over. I'm not happy about it, but I know better than to disobey, so I take the food next door. I walk in the door and he yells out and says, bring it back there. I walk into his bedroom and set the plate on the wardrobe by the foot of the bed. D says he can't reach it there and to put it on the nightstand next to the bed. I take it and set it on the nightstand and D grabs my wrist. I panic and pull away trying to get loose of him. He's pulling me towards him and I brace my foot against the nightstand and resist and saying let me go. He says, I just want to talk to you. And I keep telling him to let me go. I'm ready to leave that hand behind if necessary, and he finally lets me go. I bolted out of the house, but said nothing to Grandma. Later that evening, I tell my cousin, and she said I'm stupid. He doesn't know why I'm the only kid that doesn't like him, and he just wanted to talk to me. I should feel terrible about thinking he was trying to pull me into his bed. What a terrible thing to say. I didn't mention it to anyone else and began to question if I was wrong and reacted badly. I felt guilty for a long time, but still stayed away from him. As I've gotten older and looked back, I think my reaction was correct. What adult tries to get a kid to warm up to them by grabbing them and pulling them towards a bed? What adult continues to do this when they can see the child is terrified? You get a child to warm up to you by terrifying them? No. Adults with good intentions don't do these things. We were obedient children. If he would have said, wait, I want to talk to you, I would have obeyed. D passed several years ago, and there were rumors about inappropriate behavior with young girls, but nothing more than rumors. I still believe I read that situation correctly. This happened years ago when I was in my early 20s. I'd just gone through a breakup and moved to live with my sister in the city 
I wasn't too familiar with the area yet, as it is a big city, so I often got turned around when I went out of town. Back then, I had a 1980 300D Benz. It was my first car that my dad had gotten me, an antique that was kept in garage condition, but with one caveat, had no working AC and leather seats to boot. So you can imagine driving during the summer in the subtropical climate was pretty brutal. I'd gone out to some shops that day and was headed back home. Flustered a bit by the fast-paced nature of downtown and ready to be out of the sweltering heat, I mistakenly took a left a few streets early. I thought this would connect to the main road, but it in fact did not. I drive to the end of this residential street lined with big fancy houses. This must be the rich part of the city, I thought. Though living in a gentrified area means even the upscale houses are still essentially in the hood. Everything's just blended that way. I make it to the end and realize the turn at the stop sign is an on-ramp to a major freeway that I'm definitely not trying to get on. I pull to the side of the street by the curb in front of what looked like a kind of run-down apartment complex. Weird and random how it's situated among these fancy houses, I thought. I began trying to call my sister, and she wasn't picking up. Suddenly, I see a guy emerge from the complex. White dude, in his mid-thirties. Looked a little shady, like he might be strung out on something. I don't know, he just had that look. He headed straight towards me. I was instantly wary of him, but was a little distracted trying to call, then text, my sister. He approached my window, which was down because of the heat, and started asking me a bunch of questions. What was I doing out here? Was I lost? He kept trying to get me to put my address in his phone's GPS to help me, but I wasn't having it and politely declined. I mistakenly told him yes, I am lost, and that I'm trying to reach my sister. I know, I was dumb. I wasn't as on guard as I should have been, being young, dumb, distracted, not to mention it being midday. I guess my defenses were just down. So I'm trying to reach my sister over and over, and the guy is still trying to chat me up. I'm all but ignoring him, trying to be somewhat polite, but really not in the mood for a chat. He then offers me a bottle of water, and I said, no, I'm okay, thank you. But he insists on getting me one. Before you know it, he's off to retrieve said bottle of water. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. I ring my sister again and she finally answers. I start telling her I'm lost and what side street I'm on, etc. When dude re-emerges at my window with what was supposed to be a bottle of water. Not that I intended to drink anything from this man anyway. But, I shit you not, 
he passes me a big skull mug. Like the creepiest cup made to look like a human skull wouldn't raise any alarms. My sister is in my ear as he passes me this cup and I look into it. Where are you? Who is that talking to you in the background? In the cup, I could plainly see there was some kind of chalky powder floating around in it. And it had this strong smell of like almonds or bananas. I calmly just pass it back to him and floored it, whipping my car in a donut, almost hitting him. I basically peeled out on his ass, and as I sped off, he slapped the shit out of my driver door. I head back home with the help of my sister's directions. When I got home, I noticed Dude had hung a lighter, wrapped in a ribbon off my door lock. It had a bunch of crazy nonsensical shit scrawled all over it in Sharpie. Wished I could remember exactly what it said. This obviously freaked me the F out. Nothing more ever came of it. But to this day, I think of just how badly that could have gone had I taken his weird banana-scented skull cup concoction or even just hung around a minute longer. I still wonder what his intentions were, hanging that lighter off my window. Maybe just the work of a mentally unstable, I'll bet, harmless man, maybe worse. I'm glad I never had to find out. For context, I'm a female and lived alone in a single-story apartment in the heart of a big city when this occurred. It was around 10 p.m., and I had just begun to wind down for the night. I had recently acquired a kitten and kept the window blind permanently raised to deter her from destroying them, leaving me utterly exposed at night. My window faced a very private walkway which was fenced in and walled off on three sides, and my bed was flush against the wall directly under this window. It was a narrow walkway that paralleled the building and led to each neighbor's back stoop. It had a dead end on one side that bordered the alleyway and opened to a courtyard at the opposite end. The alleyway was walled off completely by a fence and none of the tenants ever used this back path. Anyway, I had just finished brushing my teeth and threw on a pair of underwear and an oversized t-shirt to sleep in. My room was extremely hot so I elected to sleep on top of my covers, right under my window. As I was lying there, I heard what sounded like a small pebble hitting the apartment. I looked up at my kitten, who instantly looked alert and was looking out of the window. Okay, so I really did hear that, I said. I decided I should peek outside and see if it was just a beetle that happened to fly headfirst into the glass or something. I crept forward to look out and saw nothing. With the angle of my window, I couldn't get a clear view of anything, but I started hearing the slow, shuffling sound of footsteps. 
I immediately was filled with fear, and like an idiot, flattened on top of my bed and pretended to be asleep. I waited for what felt like 30 seconds, enough time for me to think the person had passed, as I no longer heard footsteps and the walkway outside wasn't very long. After another moment, I gathered up the courage to peek out again to make sure whoever it was had left, and when I popped up, there was a dark, thin man, two feet from my window just staring at me. I screamed. I screamed as loud as I could, and I did so twice. I remember thinking, I have to make noise. I need to make enough sound to alert my neighbors. I need to make myself a nuisance. The guy looked at me, startled for a second, and quickly shuffled off towards the opening. I called a friend who agreed to stay the night with me. I was so spooked, but what really terrified me was knowing that, had the individual outside tried opening the kitchen door that led to the back pathway, he would have succeeded in entering my place. A wind gust had torn the door off the hinges a few weeks prior, making the door lock useless. I got this fixed shortly after and bought curtains for all of the windows. Side note, don't ever rely on your neighbors to save you because no one ever came to check on me. I had a basset hound named M. She was sweet and cuddly and firmly believed that everyone knows her and loves her and she loved them in return. Our daily walks were scattered with brief visits with several neighbors so they could pet and love on her. One evening, I was waiting for a delivery from a food service company who came by every two weeks. M loves our regular driver and he brings her treats. The truck pulls up in front of the house and M's demeanor changes. I have never seen her act like this. Her hair is standing up on her back and a constant low growling is coming from her. I see the driver get out of the truck and it's not my regular driver. Her growling gets louder. I don't know what the issue is, but I know my dog. She doesn't trust him, so neither do I. The driver usually steps into the house. Not today. I stepped out on the front stoop, but left the front door open and the glass storm door closed. Em is on the other side of the storm door, baring her teeth and growling. The driver approaches and I hear a whisper. Don't show him your back. I stay facing him while he tells me my driver is on vacation. He asks me if I want to see the catalog and there's some new items he would like to show me. My dog is going crazy and my creepier vibe is going crazy. I firmly tell him I only want my pre-order and I will look at the new items online. He hesitated for several minutes like he didn't know what to do next before finally going back to the truck and bringing my order. 
He says it's heavy, and do I want him to carry it inside? I said no thank you, just set it down and my son will take care of it. He sets it down and hesitates again, and it's awkward and the silence is deafening. So, I say, I believe it was prepaid. He finally replied yes, of course. He stood there for a moment more, but I was not turning to go inside until he leaves. He finally turns and goes to the truck and leaves. Instantly, my happy dog is back and I open the door to find my 12-year-old son is hiding against the wall next to the door with the largest knife from my kitchen. I give him a questioning look and he says, M says he is dangerous and I was going to be ready if he tried anything. He trusts his dog too. This happened about 30 years ago in a small town about 10 minutes outside of Atlantic City. I was about 25 at the time and my mom was in her mid-50s. My mom asked if I wanted to go with her to a small shop so she could pick up a few things. I agreed and even offered to drive. We pulled into the parking lot and parked facing a stockade fence the kind that were all the rage in the 80s and 90s. This lot was boarded by the small, barely two-lane street on the side we entered on and a four-lane highway on the other side. The lot served a Chinese restaurant, a deli, a pizzeria, the shop we were shopping in, and a few other businesses. It was around 6 p.m., so only the pizzeria... The restaurant and the shop were open, so there were very few cars. The first three spots on either end were handicapped spaces, so I parked further down, in one of about eight spots between the handicapped spots. We get out of the car and had only gone a few steps towards the street, when a man I would guess was in his late 30s, early 40s, walked out from between a couple of cars. My spider sense went to full alert immediately. He took a couple of steps towards us, looked right at us and said, I freaking hate people like you. In a low, menacing voice, I instinctively took a step to my side to place myself between him and my mom. Like what? I said. People that park in handicapped spots, he said, nodding behind me. I had grown up in this town. I rode my bike here all the time as a kid and was here quite often as an adult. I knew for sure that I wasn't in one of those spots. I had even parked a few spaces further in since neither me nor my mom had mobility issues. I'm not in a handicapped spot, I said confidently. This time, the man pointed over my shoulder, grew agitated, and said, Yes, you are. Look. It was then that I realized that he knew we weren't parked in a handicapped spot, but he was trying to get me to turn around. I don't know what his intentions were, 
I'm a pretty big guy at 6'1", 200 pounds. I'm not sure if he had a weapon or just wanted to distract me so he could get the jump. Maybe snatch my mom's purse. Either way, I decided that rather than confront him directly, I would play a little game back. I drove a Chrysler, and back then the keys were topped with a black plastic pentagon with the Dodge logo stamped into it. I curled my fist around the plastic head of the key with the metal part sticking out a couple of inches between my pointer and middle fingers so that if one were to be punched in the eye, well, they wouldn't have an eye after that. I held my hand up and pointed over my shoulder with the metal part of the key and said, There's no sign on that spot. His eyes flashed from behind me to the key protruding from between my fingers back to my eyes. I flashed my eyes to the key, lowered my hand slightly, then met his gaze. My mom is behind me saying something I don't recall. This game of chicken between me and this guy goes on for about three to four seconds. It felt like five minutes. Before he says, You know what? Whatever. F you. And walks away towards the highway at the opposite end of the parking lot. I watch him leave before turning around. Sure enough, there were at least three spots between my car and any handicap spot. He was 100% trying to distract me. He was so matter-of-fact that as we walked towards the store, my mom was wondering what he was going on about. I told her that he was trying to get me, or us, to turn around. The second time, when he had pointed... My mom said she turned around, even though she knew we weren't parked in a handicapped spot. I'm glad I trusted my instincts. It's not the first time my spider sense was right, but that's another story for another day. Hey, I really need some support advice, or anything you got. I'm stuck in this hotel for a work conference, and I opted for a cheap place outside the city to save on some cash. It's not exactly luxurious, more like a hostel to be honest, with a shared bathroom and all that. But the room itself isn't too bad, just a single bed and decent enough. But here's the thing. There's this creepy guy lurking around. I noticed him hanging around in the hallway, even when I was just going to pee. And get this, my room has this funky two-door entrance that makes a ton of noise when you open it, and I'm not sure why. Maybe to keep things quiet? It is a sort of mini-hall a first door to the corridor with a lock and an inside door without. It is important later on. Yesterday, when I had to pee and left my room, I noticed the guy did the same thing immediately. That's when I knew something was up. So I played a little trick by pushing the inside door without opening the second. He heard it and ran down the stairs. 
Turns out, he was staying in a room right near mine. Up small stairs directly on the left of my room. I didn't want to use the toilet during the night as I was afraid of meeting him. When I got back from my conference today, I heard him leaving his room right as I unlocked mine. I was freaked out and immediately went inside and locked the door. It happened again when I went to use the bathroom. I couldn't see him but could hear he was waiting outside his room. So I did the door pushing trick thing again. And like clockwork, he ran down the stairs. This guy stayed outside my room. I waited in my little entrance hall in complete silence until he went back to his room, trying not to make any noise, but I could still hear him, and it honestly freaked me out. I'm back in my room now and I'm really scared. I know the door's locked, but the lock isn't super strong. I have no idea what this guy wants, so I'm just trying to stay quiet. It's weird to think he could be dangerous, but I'm not taking any chances. I have contacted the owner of the place, who told me he could indeed see that man on the CCTV, but think it is probably just a coincidence. What should I do in this situation? One of my favorite places to go on walks is the city cemetery. It's quiet, shaded, and next to a mildly busy intersection, should something out of the ordinary happen. Sometimes there are other walkers to politely smile to. Other times there are mourners to politely avoid. And there is wildlife like geese, squirrels, and an occasional owl. I was in the old part of the cemetery when this happened. It's smaller than the main cemetery, but more hilly for better cardio. A large white SUV with tenant windows pulls into the cemetery. No big deal. Probably not mourners as this portion is so old. The most recent grave that I have seen was dated from 1960, with the vast majority comes from the 1800s. But maybe looking for a family grave for history's sake. I note where they are going as to not disturb them. But they don't stop. Again, not a problem. The plates were out of county, so I figured they are looking for a plot. I adjust course to give them space. As a history nerd, I think how cool it is to see someone tracing their history. We talk a lot about shivers up the spine or neck hair standing up around here, and that's what happened to me. The SUV was not stopping. Instead, they started to follow me. I adjusted course again, and they did too. At one point, they were directly parallel to me just a series of plots away. By now, I had shut my music off but kept my earbuds in. I slowed my pace and made sure to acknowledge them. Yes, I see you creepy SUV. 
keep your distance and I will keep mine. I notice that they have a passenger window, rear by the way, rolled down and a woman in the back seat. She quickly ducked down when she saw me staring at them. The driver and the front passenger still had their windows rolled up. This SUV had now slowed down even more, almost to a stop, and I picked up my pace and did a little half-jog across the lawns. That little voice in my head was telling me to stay calm and alert. But to get going, I pulled out my phone to call my husband to let him know what was up while I gripped my car key in my fist, not between my knuckles, as a makeshift weapon. The moment I did this, the SUV moved again to pace the rows. I made it to my car, and they had maneuvered themselves to face my vehicle, albeit almost the full way across the cemetery. When I left, they did too. Now logically, they were probably looking for a plot. The lady in the back seat was no older than 25, so she probably got embarrassed when she realized how weird her family members looked, following me around like that. And who targets people in the cemetery? But what if? And why follow me after I changed course? And that, dear listeners, is the end of these unsettling, true, creepy encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake and listening, I hope you've enjoyed this collection of stories. In the meantime, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.